Welcome to Faith That Works in Real Life, the weekly sermon podcast produced by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Let's get started. This is the Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey, and he proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, good morning again, everyone. It is so good to be together. I'm not a fan of snow, um, so I'm just gonna go ahead and put that out there. So it makes me grumpy, I'm from Florida, and so every time I see it, I just think about how, how much suffering we have ahead. Uh, so, but I'll get over it. It's, it's interesting, um, in the, the short time that I've been here at Messiah, this is actually the second time that I've had the opportunity to preach on a text that includes John the Baptist. Um, just before Christmas, I got to preach on Luke's version of this, but one of the things that I love about Scripture is that you can read the same story in different versions, and even the same version again and again and again, and God speaks differently at different times. God grabs your attention at different times through different words and different aspects of the Scripture. And so I always say, let's pay attention to what has your attention. And so something has my attention in this text today, and it's just the words that the voice from heaven speaks over Jesus. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. So quick question, um, how many of you have made New Year's resolutions? Great, how's it going? Excellent, six days in, congratulations. Everybody else has already given up on them, right? Like, um, yeah, that's, that's how it often works. I like to set goals, I like to set um, resolutions, I like to think about things that I want my life to focus on, and one of the things that is always part of my life is exercise and health, because I am not always the picture of health. Um, I, I, like to, um, I like to eat well, um, and I really do, like when I, I don't mean I just like to eat a lot, like I eat, he- I eat very healthy, um, but I'm not always good at the exercise part of things, right? And so one of my resolutions for this new year is to get back to the gym, and so I have a gym membership, I just wanna let you know that, and, um, and you can hold me accountable. Um, I have not made it to the gym yet, but I've driven past it several times. <laughs> And then I have put my um, gym bag with my clothes in my car, so we're like taking steps, but this is gonna be the week that I start going with some regularity, and and so you can hold me accountable in that. But one of the reasons why I struggle so much in going to the gym is that I am so self-conscious when I go there. When When I go, like, I wear shorts, and I don't wear shorts very often, and that's for a reason, um, because 
I don't know if you've noticed, but I don't have the most skin pigment in the world, and so like when I wear shorts, my legs just glow and they're blinding to everyone. And so, um, so I generally wear long pants, and so that, that's the first thing, right? So I, I, have, I have to wear shorts, and then I have this foot that only sort of works, and so like, I, you know, like whenever I get on the exercise bike, I'm always like, okay, can I get on successfully? And then can I get off successfully without falling on my face? And so I also, like for me, exercise, I only wanna be by myself. Like I don't, I, I don't want like to have conversations. It's like being on an airplane for me. Like if I'm on an airplane sitting next to somebody, the last thing that I wanna do is have a conversation. I love people, but if you're sitting next to me on an airplane, I'm gonna give you every body language indication that I don't wanna to talk to you at all, right? It's just how I am. I'm the same way at the gym because I'm very self-conscious while I'm there. And so Planet Fitness, where I have my membership, where I've driven by several times in the last few weeks, um, on, the, on their app, it actually shows you like how many people are at the gym currently. And so I look for like when the little bar that indicates like how many people are there, I look for when it's almost all the way at the bottom and I'm like, that's the time. And so this week I will look for those times and I'll go. And even still I'll find like the one machine in the back corner as far away from everybody else as possible because I'm very self-conscious when I get there. It's this kind of private thing because the gym brings out my insecurities. For whatever reason, it just does. But a couple years ago, I was you know, on a similar pursuit and I was actually going to the gym um, really regularly. And as I was walking into Planet Fitness, I came across this sticker that somebody had placed on the ground. It was right on the threshold from the, the concrete going from the parking lot up into the sidewalk. And it, I have a, a picture of a sticker that was, is like it, um, but it just said, you are beautiful. And it stopped me in my tracks I still went in, but it stopped me in my tracks because it just made me think, you know what, before I ever do anything in here, I'm already beautiful. I mean, just look at me, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but there's a, a message in that that I think is so important to pay attention to because we can determine our worth by all the things that we can accomplish by all the things that we can do, and even sometimes the things that are good for us. But there is a message that is important for us to pay attention to that says things like, you are beautiful even before you set foot in the gym, or even if you never do. And I was fascinated by these stickers um, because they looked like they were something that somebody, I mean, they're very simple, but they looked like they were well thought through. And so I just looked them up on the internet and there is this guy named Matthew Hoffman. He's an artist in Chicago. He does a lot of public art. He does murals and he does all kinds of different things and graphic design. And he moved to Chicago from a small rural town in the Midwest. And one of the things that he experienced when he first moved there was that there was so much more noise so much more audible and visible noise. And most of the messages of, those noise, uh, of that noise was negative. All the, all the messages that we see that say you're not enough or you don't have enough or you need to do this thing to belong and all of those messages that are the things that we have to filter through moment after moment after moment in our daily lives. And so he created these little stickers just as a reminder to himself and that it's gone into this worldwide thing like thousands upon thousands upon millions upon millions of stickers like this have been placed all over the place as just a simple reminder that there is something about us that is good before we can ever accomplish anything. And what if that's true? 
I mean, period. What if that's true even before I eat healthy and exercise, even before I get dressed up in my fancy and, and fanciest and finest? What if before I get my stuff together and make something of myself, what if it's true that I am beautiful and so are you? I mean, what if this is true? And is that just like the power of positive thinking? Is that just kind of the message that is just this message that's out there that just helps us feel good about the, ourselves? Or is it actually true? I mean, how can this be true? And then, what does any of this have to do with the scripture that we just read? Let's hear these words again. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And one of the things I love about Mark's gospel is that Mark just gets right to the point. So our text today begins in the, first ver- the fourth verse of the first chapter of Mark. And so what, what has happened in the telling of the story of Jesus in Mark's gospel up until this point? Very little, right? There's a little bit of talk about Jesus, uh, about John the Baptist, and then Jesus is introduced in his baptism. There's no birth story. There's no stories of miracles or teachings or anything else like that. There's the story that Jesus comes and he's baptized by John the Baptist. And the only thing that we know about Jesus before that happens is that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. If Mark's gospel was all we had, that's all that we would know about Jesus up to this point in the story. Mark hasn't told us any stories of miracles or healing. There's been no mention of amazing teaching and preaching. He hasn't started a mega church or signed a book deal. He doesn't even have a podcast or a blog. What's up with that? Faith That Works in Real Life is brought to you by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. To learn more about how to connect with our church community, please visit messiahlc.com. Let's get back to the message. The only thing that Mark tells us at the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is that Jesus comes from Nazareth of Galilee. And do you know what the people said about that? In John's gospel, a guy named Nathaniel heard this and he said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Jesus hasn't accomplished anything. He hasn't achieved anything yet. But as he rises up out of the waters of his baptism, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved. And with you, I am well pleased. I mean, doesn't God know that this is not how the world works? I mean, clearly he doesn't. Because we live in a world that says, prove yourself first and then come talk to me about everything else. And I get that to a degree, and in some ways it's necessary, right? So if I'm in the hospital and I'm about to have surgery, like I don't want somebody that just says, I I woke up this morning and I had a good night's sleep at the Holiday Inn Express last night, and I am a surgeon today. Like I want somebody who has proven themselves. I don't want somebody, I don't want like to have brain surgery by somebody who it's their very first brain surgery, right? Like I want somebody who's qualified, who's proven themselves. In most things, I think that is true. But it's really important for us not to confuse how the world works and let that bleed into the way that we understand how God works in this world. And I think that the writers of the Bible are incredibly intentional about the way that they tell things. Mark doesn't give any backstory about Jesus. 
He doesn't talk about his life and his work and ministry before this point because I think he wants to actually reveal something about the character of God in the way that he tells this story. And it's actually more of a reminder than it is a revelation. Remember how the story of God and God's people begins at the dawn of creation. Way back in Genesis 1, God creates and he, cl- he declares whatever God creates is, say it with me, good. Like God doesn't create and go like, eh. God creates, and when God creates something, God declares it what? Good. So when the earth was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. What did the light accomplish before God declared it good? Absolutely nothing right? God just created it, and the light was good because God said it was. And when God made the skies and the seas and the dry land, what did they do? What did they accomplish? What did they achieve before God declared them good? Absolutely nothing. God just declared them good because they are, because God made them. When God finished creating everything, what did God tell all of creation it must do before God saw everything that God created and declared it very good? nothing, right? God just created and declared it good. I mean, do you see what I'm getting at? Maybe the world worked differently in the beginning than the way that we've decided it should. And Jesus came to turn all of that on its head and to set things back on course. Because when we read this story of Scripture, when we see the way that God interacts with us in our own lives, Nothing about the renewal of all things happens in ways that we expect or imagine. Not from a baby born in a manger to the baptism of a man from Nazareth of Galilee to the Savior of the whole universe crucified on a cross. None of that fits neatly into the operating system of this world. And so I wonder which way is broken Our way or God's? Our way or the way that God declared to be good from the very dawn of creation? I'm going to go with God on this one. And I've done this long enough to expect some of the pushback that comes whenever we push on the edges of things like this. Whenever we talk about how loving and how forgiving and how God loves us before we do or accomplish anything, people like to push back on that. And they say things like, well, what should we do then? Do we just sit back then and do nothing? How we live doesn't matter at all. Can we just do whatever we want, however we want, whenever we want, because God says that we're good no matter what? Is this just a license to sin? And no, not at all. The first commandment in Scripture after declares everything, God declares everything is good, the first commandment in Scripture is to be fruitful and multiply. There's meaningful work for us to engage in. There is a life that God is calling us to. But the fruit of that life that we live is where the measure comes. The fruit in the measurements of this world are things like accumulating more and bigger and faster and nicer stuff. But the fruit of the kingdom of God is something different than that. And so, does our efforts contribute to the world looking more like what God had in mind, or are we just building up what the world says we have to do or we have to have? And here's the thing. If we don't start 
and continue from a place of God's love and grace declaring who we are as beloved children of God, made in the image of God, then we're gonna spend the rest of our lives trying to prove ourselves. And guess what happens when we spend our time trying to prove ourselves? We always end up falling short, always. And so instead of basing God's measurement of your worth on the ways of this world, God instead slaps this you are beautiful sticker right on your forehead, right from the very beginning, and then God gives us a way to remember that, to have that affirmed again and again in our baptism, to remember that what is now has always been, and it always will be true. It doesn't matter if we're an infant or an adult or a hospice patient. It doesn't matter if we were fully immersed or if the water was just sprinkled on us. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. Because from the very beginning of all of humanity, you were made in God's image. And what God creates, God says is good. And what God says to Jesus as he rises out of the waters of baptism, God says to you too, he says it to me, you are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. There's this thing I like to do with my kids. We have these little messages that we talk about back and forth, and um, sometimes I'll say things like, hey, you know what? And they'll be like, what? Teenagers, right? And then I'll say, I love you. No, they're like, I know, <laughs> right? But we do it anyways, and then they tell me that they love me too, and it's, and it's true. Like, we, we have a very loving relationship with one another. One of the other things I like to, to do with my kids is to say, to look them right in the eyes and just to say, hey, you know what? I am proud of you. You know why? And then they'll say, why? Teenagers, right? And I'll just say, <laughs> did you hear that sign? That was my dog. So they'll say, why? And I'll say, just because you're you. And the only, the only reason I can really say that and have that be true is because it's already something that's true of me. God who created me has already spoken over me and declared me and all the rest of what God has created as good. And because we've been made in the image of God, and in any way that that image has become distorted has been made right once again through Jesus. The words that Jesus hears as he comes out of the waters of his baptisms, that you are my beloved, and with you I am well pleased, even before he's done a thing. Those are the words that God speaks to you and me. And so I can look at my kids, and I can look them in the eyes, and I can tell them that I am proud of them just because they are who they are because that's how God looks at me, and that's how God looks at you. You are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. And I wonder what this world would look like if the fruit that we bear in this year to come and the years and years after that would be more and more people that believe this and live like it's true. Let's pray. God, I give you thanks. I give you thanks for loving us so completely. I thank you for loving us in a way that isn't based on the ways of this world. Thank you for loving us just because we are who you created us to be. So God, when we move away from that image, 
when we try to stray from who it is that you say we are, I pray that you would remind us again and again of who we are, your beloved children made in your image. And I pray um, that just being released of the burden of trying to prove ourselves would set us free to live the life that you have actually laid out for us to live. A life where the fruit that we bear isn't just the accumulation of stuff, but it's actually a world that looks more like the world that you intended it to be, like your kingdom come and your will be done on earth here as it is in heaven. And so God, make your presence known to us. Remind us that we are loved and strengthen us for the journey ahead. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the end of our podcast. Thank you for listening to Faith That Works in Real Life, a podcast produced by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Please follow us on social media and listen to our podcast on your favorite platform.